0: Lord, we just come before you tonight and ask you to bless this time as we look at the first day of service for the, the priest uh, in the new tabernacle and that you will lead and guide us as we look at this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus chapter 9, and as I said in the prayer, it is the first day of service. And you think last week we were, we were going over their dedication. And, they, and, if you're, and how many days was their dedication? Seven days. Seven days where they kept repeating the ceremony over and over again for seven days. And we're getting ready to go into the eighth day when they're going when they are going to start doing the service. Uh, who offered the first sacrifices? Does anybody remember from last week? Who offered the first sacrifices? Moses. Moses did all the did all the work for the sacrifices. Alright. Chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said unto Aaron, Take you a young calf for a sin offering and a ram for the burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And unto the children of Israel you shall speak, saying, Take you a kid of the goats for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, for a burnt offering, also a bullock for the, and a ram for the peace offerings, and sacrifice before the Lord, and a meat offering mingled with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. All right, so this is the instructions. They're going to offer some more sacrifices. Now, in, in, Aaron, in the, Aaron and his son's sacrifice at the very beginning, they, they offered the, the sin offering, the peace offering, the, the meat offering. They offered all of them in the process. And in and, and this offering now, for Aaron and his sons, they were to offer two offerings one was for the sin offering and one was for the burnt offering okay now what's the difference does anybody remember what the difference is what's the sin offering for
1: the sin offering is you can do it on your own and they put their hand on the animal before they do it
0: they do that
1: and then they uh kill it and then they burn it
0: all and they burn and now on the sin offering it's not all burnt the burnt offering is all burnt The sin offering is not the voluntary one. The sin offering is a required one. It's the propitiation. It is the satisfaction for God of the sin. And the burnt offering is the one that's burnt completely and is a voluntary one. All right. And it represents dedication to God. All right. And this was so on the eighth day, and the eighth day is the new beginnings is, is for new beginnings or salvation. And it's a new beginning. This is, this is going to be the first day of service for Aaron and his sons as priests.
2: So would an eighth day be Monday?
0: Well, in the Jewish calendar, it's going to be a Sunday. Because their day starts on Sunday and ends on, on Saturday, which is the Sabbath. So for them, it's all, it would be, uh, the new day would be Sunday to us. And they would just call it day one. Now, for the, the children of Israel, they were to bring in a goat for the sin offering, again, the propitiation offering. And they were to bring in a, a calf and a lamb of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering, the dedication offering. And the bullock and the ram for the peace offering. And what was the peace offering? Does anybody remember the peace offering? That was the one that was a celebration. They got to get part of it back to eat.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Picnic with God. Yeah, the picnic with God one. And then they were to use the meat offering. And what was the meat offering? It's for consecration. And what did they use for the meat offering? Oh
2: yeah. Depending on their wealth, whatever they could
0: brought. It was the fine grains, remember, yeah. it's not meat. Mm-hmm. The sin offering has depending upon on their wealth. But remember the meat offering is deceptive to us because we hear meat and we immediately think meat. animal. And in this case, it's not. It's what you sat down to meat, which was whatever you ate at your dinner table in Old English. So we, in, in the newer translations, we usually say the meal offering. Okay? So it was the fine fine grain offering, and, the, and they, they, oh, they could bake it, and it was served with oil with the so Holy Spirit. And, meat is, right. is
1: meal. Okay.
0: All right? So they were going to do all the offerings except the, which one did they not do? The trespass offering. <laughs> all right? And so here we, here we go. They're, they're, they're being instructed, all of you, all the people, all of, all of Aaron's sons and Aaron are going to come and offer sacrifices. All right? And this is going to be the first time that they have done it. All right? And if we can get through both chapters, it's going to be interesting because some very crazy things happen in the second half of this chapter. Verse 5. And they brought that which Moses commanded Before the tabernacle of the congregation And all the congregation drew near And stood before the Lord And how many people are in the congregation approximately? Three million It was somewhere around three million Two and a half to four million We don't don't know fully But there's a lot of people And Moses said This is a thing which the Lord commands That you should do And the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you And Moses said unto Aaron Go into the altar and offer your sin Offering and your burnt offering, and make an atonement for yourself and for the people, and offer the offering of the people, and make an atonement for them as the Lord commands. So, God, Moses is telling them, Get ready, you're going to make the offering. And you notice what he said? And the glory of the Lord shall appear. Now, what happened the first time that they saw the glory of the Lord come upon the mountain? They're scared. It scared them scared them so bad they they fled and they go, you talk to God. we don't want to we don't want to talk to him. Uh, the glory of the Lord every time it appears makes people fall to their face and worship or flee if they're not ready for it. And we see the same thing even in today's world, when God comes into the presence of something, people either draw close to worship or they really want to run away from God. And whether that's totally figurative or not, it is really what's true. You see people, when God's present, people either back off from it or draw closer. And we're going to see how this works out in this, in this uh, section. Verse 8. Aaron therefore went unto the altar and slew the calf for the, the sin offering, which was for himself, and for the sons of Aaron, and the sons of Aaron brought the blood unto him, and he dipped his finger <coughs> in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the bottom of the altar But the fat and the kidneys and the gall above the liver of the sin offering he burnt upon the altar as the Lord commanded. And the flesh and the hide he burnt with fire without the camp. And he slew the burnt offering and Aaron's sons presented unto him the blood which he sprinkled around about the altar. And they presented the burnt offering unto him and the pieces thereof and the head and he burnt them upon the altar. Okay, so this should start sounding very familiar. It's the same process. Every time, and he's going to repeat it again, which we want to be able to grab hold of this. Remember, we've said this before, when God repeats something, it's important, it's important and we need to understand why. And the sin offering is very important because this was a picture of Jesus in the in, in the future. All right? He was going to die, his blood was going to be shed, and his he was going to be taken outside the camp to be gotten rid of, which was the the tomb of Joseph of Mar- Arimathea which was the whole picture of the sin offering being removed outside the camp and only the critical you know parts of God said these are what you burn for the sin offering and everything else was taken outside the camp and burned so it's pictured over and over again they took the inner parts the the bowels of compassion basically if you think about it they took the kidneys and the liver and all of that, and, and in the Hebrew mentality, your emotions sat in your gut, and we still have that kind of mentality. I have a gut feeling, or you know, you I'm, I'm, uh, I have that feeling deep in my stomach. You know, we still have the idea that the emotions sit in the stomach. You know, we usually say heart more than <laughs> more than stomach. I have
2: a gut feeling. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Never thought about that. <laughs>
0: So all of the internal emotional part that Jesus went to the cross for his love for us, for the sin offering. And then they took the, the uh, burnt offering. and remember that what they did is they killed the burnt offering. They, they skinned it. And who got the skin? Priest. The priest. The, the skin would make coverings and shoes and whatever else is very valuable. And for our, for our total sacrifice, we are committing ourselves to be turned over to God. And then we are clothed in Christ. All right. So the skin is used to cover in this case. All right. So we're looking at this and they get out and they offer these sacrifices and they take the, they get, they put the, the, for the sin offering, they put the hide and everything off to the side to be carried out of the camp by one of the Levites to be burned. And he slew the burnt offering and Aaron's sons presented to him and he sprinkled it around the altar and they presented the blood offering unto him with the pieces thereof and the head in, and he burnt upon the altar and he did wash the innards of the legs and burnt them upon the burnt, upon the burnt offering of the altar. So again, we're getting this picture. I mean, they've had this thing set up now for a little over a week. It's been dedicated. They've had a, you know, sacrifices every morning, every night you know, for Aaron and his sons for seven for seven days. And so there's going to be blood sprinkled all over this place. And I can't imagine what the tabernacle had to begin to smell like, even though it's being, you know, the blood's on the sand. If you've ever smelled blood that's been unrefrigerated for any length of time, it does it not smell good. Smell good. No. It does not smell good.
2: I think it's
0: dry. It's really thick. Dry and thick and... Yeah, uh, at least it's being poured out on the sand so that it's not going to pool up or anything. Just a sand pulls up. <clears throat> Maybe it makes it pool up faster. I don't know. Yeah. Verse 15. And he brought the people's offering and took the goat that was for the sin offering of the people and slew it and offered it for a sin as the first, as the first one for Aaron and his and his sons, which means they skinned it and they and they. Uh, They cut it open, took the the innards out, and offered it. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the manner. And he brought the meal meal offering and took a handful thereof and burnt it upon the altar beside the sacrifice of the morning. All right, so he took a little bit of that meal. And Vinny, remember what we've said about this fine meal that they used? It's
2: a super fine, good
0: flour. Very super fine, you know... They, they, took, they took the time, most flour in that day, if we, we've talked about this before, they just took the, the wheat germ, they, they got off the, the husks and everything, and then they ground it with the little shell around the, around the kernel. But this flour, they had to break open all the little kernels, and if you've ever dealt with a wheat the wheat seed, that is not a very big seed. It's not like cracking sunflower seeds or something. It was a much smaller seed and they cracked it and they fine ground it.
1: If I remember right, you said that that was leaven?
0: Unknown, unleavened.
1: Well, it was unleavened, I got it right. Okay, I wrote it
0: unleavened. Unleavened flour. So it's
1: unleavened flour yep. by itself. They could, they could add
0: oil to it, they could add oil to it if they baked it, uh, and and what they did is whatever was brought into them, they took a handful of it and threw it on the fire and the rest of it belonged to who? The priest. The priest. Yeah. And the priests were to use it; they were to eat it in the holy place. And not the frankincense. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't use the frankincense, no frankincense on that one. Okay, no frankincense. The oil and the flour they got to use. So the the priests are getting the best of what's available out there, all right? Because God is getting the best; they are getting the best. They're not being shortchanged. <laughs> and he all, he slew also the bullock and the ram for a sacrifice of peace offerings which was for the people. And Aaron's sons presented it unto him the blood, which he sprinkled upon the altar around about and the fat of the bullock and the ram and the rump, and they which covered the innards and the kidneys and the gall above the liver, they put up, uh, the fat up, upon the breast and they burnt the fat on the altar and the breast of the, of, and the right shoulder, Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord as Moses commanded him. What did we say about the wave offering? That's we would go side to right? side. Wait a wave it was it was a wave that represented fellowship amongst people because okay? remember this this offering is the one that they get part of back to have their little and was
1: this one here with heaven heave offering toward heaven yeah.
0: yeah so and Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and and blessed them and came down from the offering of the sin offering and the burnt offerings and the peace offering and Moses and Aaron went into the, tim- into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared upon all the people. Alright, the glory of the Lord. And from all descriptions of this, this means a very bright shining light came upon them. And verse 24, And then came fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which was with which was when all the people saw and they shouted and fell on their faces. I think I would fall down on my face too if I saw fire fall down from heaven and burn everything upon the altar. Okay, this is, this is no, you know, no small uh, event that we're seeing. Fire came down from heaven. Does anybody remember any other time that the Bible tells us about fire coming down from heaven?
2: When they were uh, traveling in the
0: desert well they followed the pillar of fire
1: yeah the burning
0: bush. we have the burning bush that was a representation where the fire did not destroy the bush Moses up in the mountain well, we had the lightnings and thunders and, and the light how about when Elijah was with the prophets of Baal and he poured all the water over the pro, over to prove that there was no fire under the under the altar and then he called down to God and he burned down he burned, he burned down, down fire down now, what, does anybody remember what was special about that fire?
2: It consumed the, uh, the offering.
0: Consumed the offering.
2: And then it went to the other offering
0: after the... No, it didn't go there. No, not yet. It covered the offering, the water, and the rocks. Yes. And the altar. That's a hot fire. <laughs> Alright? So we just want to make sure... We, I want to try to draw these things together. This is not a one-time thing, but God... God used fire to show, show his presence in various places in the scriptures. So, and the people gave a shout. And I don't think this was a victory shout they gave. <laughs> I think this was more of a, oh no type shout. Uh, you know, We're seeing a new power from God. And they're right in the middle and they fell on their faces. Fell on their faces. Except for two people. Now, remember, when we read the scriptures, the chapters and verses were added by people after the fact. They're not, they're not something that God put in, the, in there. As a matter of fact, in the old Hebrew scriptures, they, you know, when, if you read in, in the New Testament, they quote, Isaiah says, <laughs> and they say Isaiah says because they expect you to go to the scroll of Isaiah and search out <laughs> where Isaiah said it because you have to go through the whole book of Isaiah to find where Isaiah said something. We now have it easy so that when we come together, we go, okay, turn to Leviticus chapter 19 and right. or 10 and be ready to study. Uh, it makes it a whole lot easier to study and teach now that, now that we can be able to say, everybody open your Bibles to this, this place. But there are certain places where it's kind of unfortunate that they put chapter breaks because this is one of those. Chapter 9 and chapter 10 are all the same event okay they're the first day of service for the priests and the chapter break in there kind of makes it seem like okay we're we're done with the The we're done with it and we're going to go into someplace else but no this is right after the fire has fallen down from heaven alright so we're going to be in chapter 10 verse 1 and Nahadab and Abihu the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and Put incense therein and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord and we're going to stop there because there's quite a quite an interesting event first day of service and Aaron's got two sons that decide to do things their own way kind of imagine, kind of an amazing uh, You know, think about this. If you were on your first day of a job, (laughs) would you just be going out and doing whatever you felt like doing, or would you be making sure that you're doing what you're told?
1: Well, it's your father, so they've been seeing it done for a while. They probably thought, hey, I
0: can do this. First time Aaron's done it. Uh This is the first time anybody but Moses has done the offering. They've They've seen Moses do it for eight days. Yeah, so they figured, hey, I can do that. Do you, kids, do you see the arrogancy in, there, in these kids? How
1: kids, kids get, yeah, yeah. The
0: arrogancy of his yeah. sons in this event. Yeah. Yeah. Because most people, when they start a job, you, granted I know that there are those exceptions. There are those, ki- those people that go out and say, I'm just going to show them you know, how, to right. how, how to do it the right way on their very first day, and they usually get fired the very first day. Right. You know, Aaron's sons got fired, literally. <laughs> uh, they go out. And they grabbed their sensors. And did, what, do you know what a sensor is?
2: No, that was my next question.
0: Okay, a sensor is a is a pot where the fire would be able to go into, and they would pour incense on it, and it would smoke. Oh, if you yeah. have the pictures of the of the priests that we passed out, that you'll see that little thing on chains on there on in their hand. Oh. Uh, uh-huh. Still used in the Catholic Church on their very formal, yes, their formal, di- their high, their high, Nauseous. high ones. It smells. Yes, yeah, I understand. It smells yeah. pretty bad, and and they can swing them and do all kinds of they things with really them, smoke. and they smoke yeah, and and so this is what they did. They ran and got their incense, and and what did we say? Incense represents way back when we we're talking about the altar incense. I'm going to try to keep remembering so they can kind of remember these things. The prayers of the saints coming up. All right? The incense altar the prayer is a picture of the prayers of the saints. Through so the,
2: whenever they use incense all the time and that's what it means then? Well, for
0: the biblical... Yeah. Now what Satan and his other incense, you know, yeah. has, has, you know and the other religions is using them for, I don't know fully.
2: No, in the But when Bible, you see it in the Bible, a lot of incense, so that means a prayers going
0: up. Yes. When you see no, it in the Bible, yeah. When you see incense in the Bible, it's referring to the prayers and sometimes okay. it says the smoke of the in- incense, which is literally what he's talking about more the mm-hmm. smoke than the than the incense themselves. Uh, and sometimes it just says the smoke the smoke of the prayer, you know, prayers. So, but that's what they're coming in. They're coming in with their incense, their their incense pots. I there.
2: I wonder why they kept burning incense.
0: Yeah, and in in the Bible, when and you see incense, it's it's to do prayers.
2: They are smoking pot. Even back
0: then, they were using incense. And how and how they're meant in other religions, I've never I've never really yeah. gotten into. I don't. No, but that's good to
2: know because I always wonder why they always burn incense.
0: Yep. Yeah, well, the hippies did take it, take it, and use it for other things. And yeah. I don't know what they were trying to do either, because I, I wasn't in that generation. It mean, so. no,
1: more like it, uh, cremation stuff. It smelled Vinny. like burning Vinny. flesh, like the yeah. burnt offering. You know, burn. it smells like that. Smells yeah. Like, burn Maybe that's the first symbol of it.
0: could be. They took their incense. They put fire in it. Now we kind of, we kind of, or don't understand how how big a deal this was for putting fire in, because for us. If we want a fire we just put a stack of wood in there a little bit of kindling and we strike a match or a mm-hmm. or a or a lighter and we have flame <laughs> for them it was a big deal because you either had to use flint or you had to use a you know friction device you know some form of friction so when they got a fire going they kept the embers in a box in a in a metal box so that they didn't have to go through the hard time of restarting a fire. Or if they were gonna be in a place for long, they would do what's called banking the f- flame, where you pack it all tight so it stayed warm. And then when you got ready to relight the fire, you put your kindling on top of that and you, well, you blew on the, on the banked fire. No, uh,
2: it's, it's weird, because all I have for my house is a wood stove and I have to light a fire out <laughs> <I'm not trying. laughs>
0: But in even in our history before before dishes became really popular what you would do in the, in the daytime you you would bank the fire you'd, you'd put it you'd push everything into the corner of the of the the, oh. the the stove or the or the thing and then you would you would put you know just enough on there to keep it staying warm and then as it got a little cold in the evening time or time to cook dinner you you stirred up the embers a little bit, threw some kindling on it, and it got a roaring fire again without having to wow. restart it with matches. I finally
1: bought oh, one of those things stuff. that you yeah. use for
0: yeah. air.
2: A billow? Yeah. A billow. I get blown. I get so dizzy when I blow. I I'm tired of blowing. I'm going to find the thing that I can yeah. that
0: one. And that's what they would use on a banked, fla- yeah. F- banked f- fire. Yeah. I bought one of
1: so. those family.
0: But it, but it made life easier for them when they would make it. Now in this case, God has started this fire and they're going to keep it perpetually God's flame. So when they're moving, it would be somebody's job to get hold of this <laughs> flame, put it in a pot, and their job was to carry the, the embers and make sure that they did not cool off so much that they went out. So, I got
2: it. I have mine really good because I can keep my fire going until the morning. I just put another log on there yeah. and I damp it way down.
0: In that's part of banking the fire. Yeah. Banking the fire. You you damp you, you hit the damper. You know just enough so smoke can get out, and but not enough to get it to be a roaring fire. And you keep everything all together, nice tight, tight grouping. See, I
2: still
0: live back in. So you've been banking your fire. You've been banking yeah. your fire, and you didn't even know. In so. But this whole part of it, they put fire in their incense, in their censers, and offered strange fire before the Lord. Now, this strange fire does not mean it was some funny-looking flower. (laughs) It It was a fire that was not, it was strange to the laws. It was unauthorized. Okay, they had rules on how they were supposed to use this fire. Okay, and if you remember, we talked about how they were to keep the fire going in the altar. It was not to be, it was not to go out and that was they were to bank that bank that flame they were to add wood to it every day they were to they were to strip out all the you know, all the all the charcoal wood and leave the fire you know on one side burning and then restart the fire and it was not to go out so this basically means that they did not go to the altar to get the fire <laughs> for their incense they were doing things their own way and god does not allow things to be done our way to stand in front of him. And still to this day, he does not let us do things our way. He's not going to let us do things in our flesh and say, oh, that's okay. I'm going to accept your flesh. No, he says, the flesh does not stand before him. And in this case, Aaron's sons were doing it their way. Okay? Takes us back to the story of Cain and Abel. Cain brought of the fruit of the land his works. And apparently it was a a sin sacrifice because we see that God will accept you know, a, a, me, a meal offering, but this obviously was an offering for sin. Cain, Cain brought his works and Abel brought a lamb and blood. And we see this all through the scriptures. When man does things his way, things happen. In the days of Noah, men were doing everything that was right in their own eyes and God judged them with a flood, worldwide flood. And always remember, it was a worldwide flood. As a lot of people were trying to tell you it was some kind of local flood, and if it was a local flood, then Noah wasted a lot of time building an ark. You now he spent he spent he spent 120 years building an ark when all he had to do was move out of the valley into someplace else. So it was a worldwide flood. And that's what the scriptures tell us. That tells us that there were 15 cubits above the highest mountain, the water was above it. So when you have somebody trying to convince you that it wasn't a worldwide flood, they're not believing the Bible. And then you've got Sodom and Gomorrah doing things in their own eyes and God judging the, judging the people. And when you read the book of Judges, the, the repeating motive, in, mo- motive in, in Judges is, and the people did what was right in their own eyes and God sent somebody, <laughs> you know, depending on which judge it is, to, to discipline them. And then it says, then the, then the people repented and called upon the Lord for help, and God raised up a judge. Then it goes into a story of a judge. And then the judge dies, and then you start the whole, whole story again. And the people did what was right in their own eyes. God sent somebody to judge them. The people were ca- captive for a period of time. They called upon, the, repented and called upon the Lord, and God raised up a judge. And that's, the, that's what judges is all about. That same repeating motive, motive all the way through the book. Alright? People sin, get judged, judge comes along, (laughs) rescues them, brings them back to God, and then they fall back down again. We're coming to the end of our age where people are going to do what is right in their own eyes. And we're seeing all of that going on right now. People are starting to do what is right in their own eyes. And as they're doing what's right in their own eyes, it's getting more and more sinful because... Sin just does not satisfy. You always want more of the sin to try to satisfy yourself, and it won't satisfy. So they've got this problem going on that people are sitting there trying to, to satisfy themselves by doing what's right in their own eyes. And we're seeing that we're going down very quickly,
2: yeah, this world. Yeah, because that's when all these stupid laws are passing that are
0: sinful. We're getting all, yeah, we're getting all the laws that all are supporting that sin. All
2: are sinful and they're passing
0: and we're going down very fast. I mean, you know, most of us are here from the sixties and seventies generation yeah. where it still wasn't really that bad and we no, have gone so far downhill from the mm-hmm. you know, that's where things really started. And we are we are going down quickly. It, it's, it's like we've like, jumped it's like we've jumped over a cliff. They were going things are getting so bad.
2: I mean to me I think TV is getting so terrible. I mean practically every show.
0: But we, we see what goes we see what goes on here is that God is saying what, what we're doing, what we're doing is doing what's right in our own eyes, and that just is going to get worse and worse.
2: And especially, they are putting these things on TV that I wouldn't waste my time putting them
1: on TV. To right. satisfy their flesh.
0: They're trying to satisfy their flesh, and the flesh will never be satisfied because the flesh, our bodies and our spirit and our soul, were designed to be satisfied only with God and the spiritual. So when we're trying to satisfy ourselves with the fleshly desires of the flesh, it will never be satisfied. It's insatiable. It it won't even be satiated a little bit. It it just wants. It wants everything it can get. And that's why we've talked about, you know, the sin keeps getting worse. I mean, what what used to be almost satisfying isn't even close anymore, and you've got to go a little bit more, a little bit more. And we're seeing it, we're seeing then our especially world. Especially like back
2: in the 50s, I think when you see it, the old thing 50s. everything was like more pure. Now it's like nothing is, nothing is sacred. No, nothing
0: but, is even, even in those generations, though, they pushed, every generation has always pushed the envelope. But it's just like the envelope, were, the envelope was so moral at that time that pushing the envelope was, was pretty, pretty mild and, and nondescript by, you know, what they called pushing the envelopes in the 40s and 50s would be nothing to yeah. to us.
2: Like now, it seems like people that sing, forget about singing It's how what they wear and how hideous or, they look, or what they're not wearing. Or yeah, what they're yeah. yeah I I think. It's either. like it's like 1939, down with the Wind. They had a fight to fight the haze off, a haze off and it right. it right by the haze offerings. Red Blooded to say in the movie. Franklin, dear, I don't give a yeah,
0: yeah. And but this is where we're at. We're seeing, and it would be one thing if it was just one or two countries experiencing this. But, like you say, but it can, is yeah, everywhere across the world that is facing this moral decline, which is both scary and exciting because that just means we're approaching the end where God will need to judge okay. us. Scary. And well, for us as Christians, it's not scary well, you know, because not before scary God because judges us, well, it's going to be terrible for the people yeah. who God judges. Because they will be trying to correct them and bring them back to back to him The problem is that we have to go through a lot of hardship and and problems as we get there before the before the rapture But we are getting there. We are seeing God moving. We're seeing we're seeing sin abound. We're seeing we're seeing that when when Christians are called bad Because they're trying to do good things and people who do good things are called bad and people who do bad things are, are called good You know
2: even like look at that earthquake like it said in the Bible, there's
0: going to be big earthquakes. And right. right. And, I, and I have no doubt that that was part of the I really end times. Know, and, and the increase in the in the tornadoes, the, the increase, water, the the water, increase water, in the water, hurricanes water. and the typhoons and the earthquakes. We're seeing exactly what God said was there. Now, there's a lot of people that won't go and say that because they're so afraid of somebody getting upset. But I'm not. This, I really think, is part of the end times positioning. And... If we're not at the end times, you know what? I really don't care because uh, Paul said he expected the, you know, God to return in his day. So if He doesn't come in my day, we're, the, we're still closer now than we ever used to be. See
2: that—that's weird that's where you said that because they expected Him to yes. come back
0: then. Yes, yeah. but there true. were a lot of things that weren't even close to being around, you know, yeah. then. There's that we look into, and even in my day, as I've studied the scriptures. But well, they used to talk about how you couldn't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And they used to laugh about that. Well, how could that be? Well, we know darn well with the computers and tracking of people. And we know how easy that is. One world currency. The One world currency that nobody could figure out how that could happen. They used to, they used to swear that the scene of the, 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 the statement where the whole world would be watching the prophets when they were resurrected had to be symbolic because there was no way the whole world could watch and now we know that they can They can yeah. they could do it and they would probably and we could even picture them actually putting a channel say, watch these guys as they lay dead in the street, you know, and there'd be a channel on that twenty four hours a day. You know <laughs> twenty four hours. Twenty four hours, watch these dead guys. <laughs> well it says they were having parties because they died, so and giving gifts to one another. But, you know, what I'm saying is all these things that we used to say, you know, that used to be said we in the 60s and him 70s, him. where right. just no way those can handle it be happen. They have, to be, they have to be spiritualized. And now as we're getting closer, we're saying, uh-uh, we see like, exactly how, how that can head. happen. We're looking at this, and then, okay, so they've got this unapproved fire. All right, whatever that really meant. It wasn't, they had rules on this is what you do, this is how you do it. And they violated the rules. Well, think about this. God sends a flame down, burns the, burns the uh, sacrifice on the altar. The people probably going, oh, and fall down flat on their face. <laughs> and these two guys <laughs> run and get censors and, and start trying to worship God in their own way. Everybody is falling flat on their face in the glory of God. And these, and these two guys are saying, okay, we're going we're to worship God the way we want to. Where should they have been? On their face. They should have been on their face before God. And yet they're running around doing things their own way. We have to be careful that we don't start trying to do things our own way when God is trying to get us to do something. And this is this is where it's really hard sometimes when we're walking by faith and trying to figure out, Okay, God, what do I do? What don't I do? That and I is can,
2: hard.
0: And I can guarantee I have made mistakes many a times and it's caused problems in my life when I've gone and done the wrong thing, thinking that I'm doing the right thing, but I didn't spend enough time in prayer, didn't spend enough time on my face, saying, God, what is it that we need to be doing?
2: Like, I think, God, give me a sign. I need almost a sign. No, you don't do that.
0: And he says, the just shall walk by faith." faith. And that is hard. It is hard to walk by faith. I guarantee it is hard to walk by faith. It is not an easy, easy thing to do, because... Faith is not by sight. It would be so easy if God just said, you know, here's big letters across the, across the yeah. wall. Do this. Or, or he spoke in your ear and said, this is what I want you to do. But that wouldn't be living by faith. How do we build our faith? How do we gain faith? By studying the Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Okay. The more we are in God's Word, the more we are being taught... The more we are in his word, the more faith we're going to build up and the more we're going to know what to do in any given situation because we are changing the way we think to match God's way of thinking.
2: You know that is so neat, because I hear I'm stored things that saying, well, they got this, they they got this word or God spoke to them. I think I never had that ever happen to me. Why not? And Lately, on certain things, yes, but I always thought, you know, he would speak to me, you know. It's not that, he's like what mm-hmm. you say, you know.
0: You know what he wants and it just, there are times when it seems to me that I would say that I heard God, knowing that I didn't hear an audible yeah. voice, but that, yeah, so that like, but I am you know, so I absolutely clear. sure. I heard God, God, God never told
2: me, I never heard anything like that. Why can't I hear anything?
0: Yep. And the more you're in his word, the more you're centered on him, the more you're going to hear him speak. And you know, I've shared with many people, there was a time when I spent about six years learning something, when I said, God, I finally give up. I, you know, I know it wasn't an audible voice, but I know God said it's about time. <laughs> it wasn't an audible voice, but I know that he said in my heart, it's about time. So... Yes, the more we're in his word, the more we're, we're looking at him, the more we're listening to, to, to teachers, the more we're reading the word, the more he's changing the way we think from a fleshly way of thinking to a spiritual way of thinking. And the more that becomes a spiritual way of th- thinking, the more we start making decisions that are based upon spiritual, godly, spiritual decisions.
2: See, that's why I think what is so cool, like we always pray, like, God, just help me to understand when I read, and a lot of times I don't understand. I think what you focused me on doing, I have really never been to a Bible study class. Mm -hmm. And since I started doing it, i thank you, God, this is what he wants me to do, this is how I learned, and by myself, you can't, it's hard, I can't learn by myself.
0: You need somebody to help, now, the older you get and the more you get used to it, then you you can start understanding it it on your own.
2: But it's so neat because now I want to come to Bible study. Before, you know, I really never, I, I did want to come.
0: Most people don't want to come and that's the problem. But now um, I
2: want it, it's like, I always pray like I want to be hungry for His Word and not for food. Well,
0: you want to be hungry for both, but you want to no, be hungry for His Word. I want
2: to be hungry word. for food because I eat too much. <laughs> I want to be hungry, I want, to be, I want this to be more hungrier.
1: Right, that's when
0: I get upset or something read the Bible instead of school. All right, real quick, Isaiah twenty-eight thirteen. Isaiah twenty-eight thirteen. And let's actually go back to verse nine.
2: Hold on. Isaiah
0: 28 verse 9.
2: Okay, I'm there. Okay, me too.
0: Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned, weaned, weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people to whom he said this is the rest wherewith you shall cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing yet they would not hear but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little and there a little that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem." So we want to look at this. God says, who is He going to teach? Everyone. Key to this is, okay, He wants to teach them a couple of things. So let's look at this in verse 9. He He wants to to teach them knowledge, knowledge. which is, you know, information. He wants them to understand doctrine. Mm -hmm. Doctrine scares a lot of Christians, but what did we say doctrine means? Teaching teaching or a way of thinking, okay? We used to, we, when you went to college, you used to go to college to study a discipline, and they taught you doctrines within that discipline. Mm-hmm. Or if you remember the history of the Monroe, in America we had the, what was called the Monroe Doctrine. And what that was, was a list of rules, this is how we're going to deal with foreign countries. And it was just that list, he goes, this is what we're gonna do, here's our doctrine. Here's a way we're going to think about dealing with them. So he's going to teach teach knowledge. He's going to help us to understand doctrine. Who? Those that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. Adults. Basically, people who are growing up. Because we've talked about this, how a couple of people have often said, you know, they're now starting to really learn the Word of God and they wish they had started earlier on in their lifetime they were still drinking milk at best. And I, drink- and I have met so many people that want, don't, they don't even want milk, they want watered down milk. You know, they just want, you know, give me as little, little food substance as possible. And, and he's saying, those that are wanting to study, basically that want to study, they want to get beyond the, the most basic things. Milk is what you give to your, your child who doesn't understand, you know, can't handle real food. And we've all said this, and it's a picture, you know, it's okay for a baby to need milk. That's, it's not a problem for the baby to need milk. If you've got somebody seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old who is still drinking only milk from a bottle, you've got a problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: yet we see so many Christians who have been around for a long time still drinking from a watered-down milk in their bottle, wondering why they're not living a successful Christian life. And it says, when you, when you get off the milk and on the breast, it'll be precept upon precept. I
2: said order on order.
0: OK, hmm. Uh, precept's a little deeper than that. A precept is an understanding, a way of, uh, basically, it's almost doctrine. OK, uh, so order, I can understand why they come up with order. I think it's not the best best one in there. And
2: line on line on
0: line. Line upon line. Yeah. Again, that whole, here's, here's your information. But it's the picture of God building a way of thinking upon us. Precept upon precept upon precept upon precept. Line upon line upon line. Here a little, there a little. The reason being, He slowly teaches us how to think spiritual thoughts. He doesn't just all of a sudden come in and says, you know, open up your head, let me pour in all the spiritual thoughts into your head. Now you don't know how to use them. Uh, Because it would be confusing if he did that. If he totally changed the way we thought in an instant, there'd have to be a second miracle on how to organize those thoughts. Here he tells us, he lines them up, line upon line. And this is why the more you get into God's word, the more things start joining up together, and the deeper your understanding gets to be, until one day you're going to be sitting there and going, oh, wow, look what I just learned. And when you get that, oh, wow, look what I just learned moment, share it with people. Share it with people.
1: I, like to, I remember that.
0: Because it is important. The aha moment. Yeah. Those aha moments, those, wow, this is an amazing re- thought that I've just been revealed. And I get those all the time. And I had the privilege of sharing it with everybody that I, you know, because I get to be the teacher. But we want to be able to share those because it's line upon line, precept upon precept. God is going to add a little bit of information, a little bit of information, a little bit of information. Mm-hmm. And before long, we got all these spiritual thoughts in our head. And you know what God's doing while he's taking away, while he's adding the spiritual thoughts? Taking
2: away the flesh.
0: He's taking away the fleshly thoughts. So that we think in terms of the spirit. And the key to this is when you start seeing yourself make spiritual decisions without really having to think about it, you know you're getting closer to your sanctification. The more you start thinking spiritual thoughts, it's a very good sign that you've been in God's Word, you're studying God's Word, you're, you're reading His Word, you're trying to understand His Word, and you're getting a lot of growth because He is teaching. And eventually, you make less and less flesh thoughts. Now, the flesh will always be there. They will never be completely gone because we still have flesh and bones that we have to deal with, and there's the sin nature within our flesh and blood. But we hope to get to the place where we make better spiritual decisions quicker than flesh decisions. You know decisions. what is
2: really neat is I pray a lot because I, I believe in prayer so much. I pray pray a lot every single day, all, every morning and night. There's times when I pray, I swear he's there because I don't know why. I would have tears running down my, Did you ever do that? Mm-hmm. Tears running down your eyes, but he's a happy, and I know he's there, and I think, Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, I know how people feel. Like <coughs> him, but I know of, I know that my prayer saved my brother's life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. is
0: yeah. on. Yeah.
2: But the good man yep. we did is on A few years ago. I prayed and prayed for him too. I mean, and I still pray. I hate I, I prayed for your brother. I prayed for Ben. I prayed for. I prayed for especially um, Denise. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I never thought. And I was so thankful when I found out Denise.
0: Her life around. Yep, she's been doing really good.
2: I believe in prayer so much, and if you don't pray, like I wouldn't be here. Right. But it is just so neat. I mean, I wish I would have done this years ago.
0: Well, we take it where we're at right now, and we go forward from where we're at at this moment because we can't go back and change the past. All we can do is go forward from where we're at and get that hunger for the Word. Because, and this is critical for us to understand, is we cannot go back and change anything in the past, for good or bad. You know, we get people go, well, this happened to me, and this is why, you know, I don't forget the past. You can't change it. Put it under the blood. And I know that's hard. Okay, I know it's hard. But you know, the more we believe God's word, the more we have to apply his word. And God says, forgive, forbear, be long-suffering, which means that we have to apply what he says. And not make excuses. People will go, well, I just can't do it. Well, God says do it.
2: <laughs> now, I believe that because that last week when you said something about remember the fact, I finally I did it. I because see what I would do is I would pray and I said, Well, maybe I forgot to ask and forgive this. So I finally I don't know if I just say that I finally prayed and prayed and prayed with God. From the beginning, from when I was born to now, I want to forgive everything. Because I, everything, every little thing that I ever, 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 ever did, and ever since I said that, I'm not worried about the past. Good. It's, but I would always think, I forgot to maybe, because I forget things. Right. Did I pray for this? So this time I did that and, I and felt it so much better.
0: And that's all of it, because God is the one that's the only I'm one that can forward. give us victory. And because we we have to be living in this moment that we're living in, and not living in the past, not trying to say. No. See that's why I
2: said before because
0: I always take no maybe it's to pray for something that I see that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So the, these these boys instead of being in church worshiping God we're back to, we're going back to Leviticus 10 now instead of Leviticus 10 instead of ministering to God and worshiping God they are in the tabernacle. And what's worse is they are leaders in the tabernacle not there to worship God. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that come to church not to worship God, but for whatever reason. Social hour. Social hour. To uh, that they came to church. Network, to, to look good. Yeah. For whatever reason it was, Nadab and Abihu were not there ready to do what they're supposed to be doing. And what's worse is God shows up and all of a sudden they go do things their own way. And in verse 2, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. And there's one pastor I listened to and he was teaching this a couple, I guess a month and a half ago. He goes, and they were fired literally. They were fired from their position, and they were made charcoal in the same process of being fired. I thought it was just a cute thing. I'm not a very good at those jokes, but that one kind of hit me on, because God literally took them out of their out of their position and took their life. And it really goes to show the seriousness of what God does when he says you're do it his way. It can be very serious when you don't do it his way. And let's look at the results from this. Verse 3. And Moses said unto Aaron, This is... This is that the Lord speaks, saying, "I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all people I will be glorified." And Aaron held his peace. His sons have just been killed, and he's basically and he's basically being told, "Be quiet." And this, and he's following that instruction. And Moses called Mishael. And Elzaphan, the sons of Uzael, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, "Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp." So they went near and carried him out in their coats out of the camp, as Moses said. And Moses said to Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar his sons, "Uncover not your heads, neither rent your clothing, lest you die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren." the whole house of Israel be well the burning which the Lord hath kindled and ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation lest you die for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you and they did according to the word of Moses so they were not even allowed to go through the normal grief processes for their for his sons and for their brothers now the question of when you look at it is why was being why was God being so cruel to them to not let them be sad about the death of their their family? Lesson. It was to show though because they were the priests of Israel they were supposed to be sanctified and if they were going to be if they were going to show tears at God's judgments they were basically saying God's not fair when he judges people. They were looked upon. Absolutely. They were looked on as leaders, and when people look at their leaders for right or wrong, you you gotta see, you see hesitation. they they've got to see a leader standing up Being for strong. God, yeah. standing up yeah. for God. And if they see, in this case, if they had been sad and 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 done you know done the things that normal families would do when their children are killed, or their brother, their family is killed, they would have been basically saying that. It was wrong that they died and God saying, no, they were judged. They were doing wrong and they received judgment.
1: Don't play with fire.
0: Don't play with fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah Don't play with the wrong fire anyway. Yeah. Uh, so they were to be strong in this and they were to represent God because remember the priest represented God. And so when they, if they were to go in and say, you know, these guys were judged and we're going to be sad because they were judged, they were saying God didn't do the right thing. And so they had to be strong because of the, who they represented. Not not even not just to make them look, you know, strong and, and, and every. But if they had been weak at this moment, they would have been saying that God did not do what was right. That they weren't receiving judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying on that? Yeah. Uh, so they had to be. They had to be. And Moses said, "Let let Israel, you know, let the rest of your you know rest of Israel be you know be, uh, wail and, and bemoan them." And I can't imagine, that had to be been a very hard thing for Aaron to, to do. Uh, because now he's got to accept, number one, that his children are disobedient, and that God judged them harshly because of who they are. And it's a great example of people in leadership are judged at a higher judgment. Now, a father and a husband is responsible for his family and has to protect his family, and, and when they make a mistake, he is going to be subject to a greater judgment. A teacher, the scriptures in James says, let not many seek to be teachers because the judgment is greater for those who teach. For a pastor who's who's in front of a church, he has to make sure that he's not perfect. Everybody knows he's not perfect, but he's got to be before God and he's going to carry the judgment in a greater format than just any other member of the church making a bad decision the pastor makes a bad decision, then it affects so many other people in the church. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some of these big-name pastors who have gone on and you know, and and ruined their reputation through (laughs) adultery or fornication and it was hurting the church and God let it become known to everybody and took them away from their ministry because of how much damage they were doing to the name of Christ.
1: media is right there looking for
0: money. Well, they're looking, you know, but the people are too. The The people, even if it's not the news, it's still the people. The reputation in town, you know, when a when a pastor, you know, misbehaves, because it's just the way people look.
1: It came to that point where you said that if the the person that criticizes a pastor, I was thinking maybe even if the pastor is wrong or bad, that they're going to be judged too.
0: So right? the scripture says
1: by not to even I've been thinking about that a lot that not to say anything badly about a.
0: It's uh, not just pastors. You don't want to say anything he, bad he, about anybody, but it's, it's doubly important on a pastor because a pastor is worthy of double honor. Even if he's wrong. Even if somebody's wrong. You don't advertise it. You, you go to wrong. that person and talk to them. You know, it's okay to go to that person. That's something you do. Uh, and But God is their judge. Don't ruin the whole God is their reputation
1: judge. or God's reputation over the whole field. Right,
0: because if somebody's doing something wrong, God will deal with them. You know, Jeremiah goes all over the place. He says, "I will deal with the false pastors, so and the false shepherds." So God says, "I will deal with them. I will deal with this." David would not touch Saul, even though he was anointed king of Israel. He would not go out and kill Saul, because Saul was, had been anointed before him, and until God got rid of him on His own, he was not going to kill Saul. And if you read through the read through there, he had three at least three times when he could have that are in the scriptures that he could have killed him. Okay, and he says, no, I'm not going to touch. Yeah. And he had every reason to, he was anointed king, Saul's trying to kill him, so he's really technically at war. He had every reason to be able to kill Saul, and he says, no, I'm not going to do it because God put him in his place. And so this is really important. Leaders will all answer to God for their act- their act- actions. And that includes governmental leaders. and. When God puts in a leader who is there to judge his people, the, that leader is still going to be answerable to God for what he has done. Okay? Uh, you get somebody like a Hitler. Hitler's got a mighty answering to God for what he brought Germany into. Now, the German people have a, you know, answer, too, because they let him, let him do it. But Hitler, as their leader, is going to have a lot of answering to do before God for where he took that country. So, God is an ultimate judge. And it's very important because we understand that. Verse 8, And the Lord spoke unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink you, nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregations, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that they may put difference between the holy and the unholy, and between the clean and the unclean, and you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes of the Lord has spoken you unto them by the hand of Moses. There are many that have believed that because of this statement that it is possible that Nadab and Abihu were drunk in the service of, you know, while they were in there. Now, that's, it's not very clear, and I understand the point. They say because God mentions this in the, in the correction of it, because this has already been said that they're not, you know, the priests are not to drink in pre- previous so it's a, there are people that say that Nadab and Abihu were drunk, and that's why they were out, basically out of their mind when they when they grabbed these censors. Now you can take that for what it's worth. It kind of makes some sense, you know, because when people mm-hmm. get drunk, they lose their inhibitions and they start doing things that they later on realize that they regret and they know, you know, and if they weren't drunk, they would have known better than to do. Uh, and it's been a celebration for you know for a week. They've been in the te- you know the temple for a week. It is possible that. That they had gotten, gotten a little bit inebriated and did something dumb. Um, Today at,
1: to at the Dodger's office, some guy knocked a water thing down, you know, the five gallon water thing. This guy didn't, I don't know, he knocked it over. It was just a big scene. You know? Luckily, it wasn't glass. Really. He, he was out of line, you know, he just didn't see it. You know? oh, it was like crazy.
0: We're going to end here because we are out of time and I wanted to finish this chapter but there's just too many too, too many verses to try to finish it tonight. Well,
1: that's another thing about them being drunk. I didn't think it right. Yeah.
0: Well, let's go ahead and close in prayer and Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for how much you love us and that you care for us and Lord, we ask that always that we help that you help us to always stay in focus on how we're supposed to walk with you and work with you. Help us to learn to walk by faith in a greater and greater manner and in all that we do and we just thank you in Jesus name
1: Amen